Hi everyone, this is Nick, and I just want to let you know we had some audio issues at the beginning of our podcast because, and a little bit towards the end because I had the air on because it's really cold outside. So we apologize that the audio is not at the level that we'd like, but we hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you have a Merry Christmas. School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Nick Sentimich, and I'm joined, as always, by maybe someday the very reverend, but right now just the reverend Bobby Blood. Yeah, Francis really kind of stomped on that, didn't he? It used to be if you made one guy happy, he could give you a purple hat. <laughs> and now it's like, ah, you got to wait till you're 60. you got to be old and also talented. What they don't say about being a Monsignor is it's actually expensive for the priest. Yeah, you gotta buy all those extra purple buttons, and then you gotta ask your ma to sew them on the cassock. It's a whole thing. You have to donate to the Vatican or something, don't oh, you? I didn't know. I don't know about that. Maybe not. Yeah, 10% to the church, right? Right. Well, Merry Almost Christmas. Merry Almost Christmas. Last time we got together, we were talking about a little Advent, and frankly, we're still waiting. We're, we're, we're mid-pink week. We're, we're mid-pink week. When this airs, we will probably be... Probably. Why don't you just drop it tomorrow? <laughs> I could. A little Friday fun. That's true. I could drive it tomorrow. Why That's not? fine. Um, then we have one more week. And what's beautiful as a priest is Christmas falls on a Sunday, which means I don't have to work two days that week. It's kind of cool. Is it rough? Because you you, when you were first ordained, it was one of those, like, Christmas is on, like, a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, whatever it was, it was, like, three days in a row. And, and just scheduling is crazy. It's like, what if I say Mass at 5 p.m., what day is it? Is it a mm-hmm. Christmas? Is it a Sunday? Is it a mo- You don't know. So, anywho. But I'm, I'm excited. It's Christmas. I was talking to somebody trying to figure out what would be the most difficult day for a priest. And he was suggesting, he, think it, he thought it would be Tuesday. Because you would have Saturday Mass, Sunday Mass, then Christmas Eve Mass, Monday, and then Chris, like four big, mat, four big days of Masses in a row. Absolutely, yeah. On the, this this year, it's not going to be so bad, but no. that, that tough year, absolutely. Otherwise, Ash Wednesday, I would say. <laughs> Just in general. Just in general, Ash Wednesday. Always falls on a, on a, on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, so Christmas episode, we're all hyped up. I'm ready. Break is, school break starts next Wednesday. You're going to Texas. Going to Texas for a couple of days, a little sunshine. Not that we've had any snow here to get away from, but... It's so gloomy here. It's gloomy. It's dark early. Um, but yeah, Christmas. You got big plans over break? Do you get any time off? Or are you just I continuing have, the relevance of radio? Yeah, I have a couple days off. Um, I could have taken more, but I'm going to save them for next year. Why is that? For a honeymoon. A honeymoon. <laughs> a honeymoon. Counting down. To an undisclosed location. <laughs> right. It's undisclosed. Um, Croatia, actually. Uh, no. So, Christmas. We are kind of talking before I got here about... Um, off mic, as they say in the biz. Off mic, yeah. Pre-internets about Christmas. And I've been thinking about how, like in all Christmas media, 
So, obviously, it's Christmas movie season, right? You're watching a different Christmas movie all the time. Which, to tease everyone, we're going to talk... We talked at one point about our top five, I think, two years ago. Today, we're going to do our top ten top favorite 10. Christmas movies. Top ten favorite Christmas so, movies. So, stay tuned for that. And let me tell you, Nick and I have very different tastes. We too. Um, but watching Christmas movies, or even like music, all sort of Christmas media... I feel like it's always you have to save Christmas. Yeah. Like Christmas is always in dire straits. It's like Santa Claus has the flu, mm-hmm. or um, the lights go out on the sleigh and we need this weird mutant reindeer. There's always this, you gotta save it, save Christmas. Or I need to get the toy that my child wants, so I'm fighting Sinbad. Right. <laughs> exactly. You gotta get Turbo Man. There's always an issue, right? And I get it. That's like the plot of a movie. But it is interesting that there's never a Christmas movie where, like, Christmas is a surety, but there's some other hijinks, right? Right. And the same goes, like, with a lived experience of Christmas. I don't know if it's the same in your family, um, but in a lot of families it's, like, with the holidays there's a million things to keep straight. There's a million things to do right. We have this sort of awkward family dynamic you try to figure out. And if one thing goes wrong, everything's going to fall apart. The holiday's going to be ruined. We're going to leave more frustrated on the 26th. I was thinking about that, like, that sort of idea that Christmas is fragile has pervaded our lived experience. But on the Christian side, especially this Advent, I've just been reflecting on how the coming of Christ is a surety. Since the beginning, like, it's been a guarantee that the Messiah is coming. And there was so much waiting and wanting and confusion. But at a certain point, you just have to admit the Christ child is coming. Right. And it, it is, it, I, I like that point that you're making, and it's kind of interesting because we do always think, and even like in non movie ideas, we want to make things like look really good when we have people over, or we want to make sure that the food is good, or that we got the perfect gift. Um, and it's almost become like cliche in Christian circles to like focus on like, the real meaning of Christmas, like we, like we've heard it. For keep, some... keep Christ in Christmas. Right. Buy a nine dollar magnet from the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> Shout out to the Knights. Yeah. Donate. But um, uh, I, I do think that I do think that though. What does it actually mean to keep Christ at the center of Christmas? And it is an interesting thing because He's going to come. To, like you said, He's going to come no matter what we do. There's nothing that. You know, if everything else around us is falling apart, it, it's not going to matter. And not to not to step on a question that we had. So I work on one show on Relevant Radio called Father Simon Says with Father Richard Simon. And somebody wrote into him and asked him, like, what if what if um, you're lonely around the holidays? Like, how do you deal with that loneliness? How do you experience that loneliness? And he brought up the really good point. He was like, if you're not having the perfect Christmas or the perfect holidays, like you're in good company because neither did the Holy Family, right? Neither did like Mary and Joseph sleeping, you know, in a stable, uh, you know, and Jesus being born in a manger and traveling and not finding a place to stay. Like in a weird way, the nativity scene almost looks like cute to us. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost seems like nice and like inviting with the animals but like in all reality it was probably very annoying and kind of frustrating yeah like to to have to sleep you know sleep outside in a barn basically and not sleep in comfort yeah yeah and 
so I fought for a long time against The Chosen because it's just a Christian TV show. You know? Everyone says it's going to be good. And everybody it says it's good. amazing it can't be good. So, But I, I pulled the trigger probably a year, year and a half ago. And I, I realized I missed one of this. There's like a special season two episode about Christmas. Yeah. And one thing I remember kind of about this, the nativity scene you're talking about, that I kind of found co- compelling or interesting was when Joseph got to the town to like check in at the inn and they found it was full. He was frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we just like forget about the humanity of, of the Holy Family. Like how frustrating is that? You've got a nine month pregnant wife and you're heading to town and there's nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's like it's 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 the plane trains automobiles of the Bible, you know. Right. It's like there's no no place that's so frustrating. And then to, to double back on the, the stable idea, like it would have smelled horrible, mm-hmm. would have been messy, would, and and this idea like oh this this perfect mother and and this hand of God and and this is the time where the father chose to send his son and and mystically all of these things. Are, are falling together and yet on an outside it's like what is going on you know right. but but we take note though that no matter what went wrong no matter where they had to sleep no matter where Jesus was born no matter the mess that was there Christ came the, the essential mm-hmm. um, incarnation the essential taking on of flesh happened and I think that's a, a great reminder or maybe a place for us to start in our own reflection at what point do we take our focus off the essential and place it on the things that are non-essential um, in hopes of making it look pretty or perfect? Right, because we want to we want to make it perfect, but at the end of the day, that can kind of obscure, like you know, what's actually going on. And I was reading a homily, a Christmas homily from I think it was a Christmas homily from John Paul II. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, what role do our feelings um, and our emotions play in our spiritual life? And obviously they they play a a significant part. But he was talking about really creating, he said, an intense inner feeling, you know, on Christmas Day. He was Mm -hmm. was talking about being at St. Peter's Basilica and, 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 and wanting to create an intense inner feeling to connect ourselves to... Um, to the birth of Jesus. And I think that's like, obviously, if it doesn't come or it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen kind of a thing. But what does it take to have some kind of movement, to have some kind of interior movement towards towards God in, in like the day of Christmas, whether it be a movement of like gratitude, maybe it's a movement of wonder, maybe it's a movement of sorrow, like our own unworthiness that, that God, you know, comes among us. Um, and so, like, and then, like, the question is, and I ask myself that question, okay, what does that mean for me? And not that I'm going to do something or read a passage just so I can create a feeling, just so I can feel the feeling, but but what what is it, can I, or what can I enter into to be more receptive to experiencing God in some, even if it's just in the smallest way? And it makes sense that, there's a desire to have this theological truth, this reality, mm-hmm. touch all of our humanity. Right when we talk about the incarnation, right? Excuse me, Christ taking on flesh. It makes sense that we would have a normal, ordered desire for the presence of Christ to touch 
not just our intellectual well-being or not just touch the external decisions we make, but also our affectivity, our emotion. And I don't think that's a bad thing, even though sometimes I think we we um, we make it seem immature. Feelings mm-hmm. are something that are secondary or, or lowly. I, I think that's an interesting reflection in, in the sense of like, um, are we placing ourselves in a position um, to have a sort of emotional response? Yeah. And that's just the, the question of intentionality. Are we taking the space or the time? And here, here's what he said. I, I, I looked it up. I wasn't paying attention to what you're saying. I just decided to look it up for myself. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> I need a full time producer. <laughs> he said. Um, so John Paul II was talking about. I think it was his first. It was his first Christmas as Pope, and he he's saying like, look. He was like, I wanted to be in the cave at Bethlehem, like here. I have this intense desire. But he's like, I'm with you at the beginning of my pontificate in St. Peter's Basilica, and. He said, in order to crown this liturgy with depth, ardor, and the authenticity of inner feeling. He said, the, the liturgy of Christmas night is rich with spiritual realism, the realism of the moment we're renewing, and the realism of the hearts that are reliving the moment. And so, like, for us on, you know, the liturgy of, you know, whatever we go to, Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass, Christmas Day, what is it about our hearts and that in that liturgy like are we conscious of the fact that we are reliving the moment of of like God coming to be with us and like reading that for me I'm kind of like inspired by that idea like that's what I want to experience at like midnight mass or at um, at Christmas Eve mass that experience of of recognizing the power of what's actually happening and I think too that realization of what's happening touches the chaos like um, I wish that I could watch the Charlie Brown Christmas for the first time again Mm -hmm. because when Linus starts to give that speech right basically proclaiming the gospel right it it cuts through everything and I think this is this is the essential message of Christmas and frankly I do this all the time but we cannot talk about Christmas with outside of the context of Easter there is no Christmas unless, unless we're already focusing on the resurrection. So this idea that the, the God-man is taking on flesh in order to die for us cuts through whatever chaos. And so how does that play on in our interior life? And again, it, it's hard to, to force this sort of reality, um, but it's incredibly important that we set aside the time and the space because the time will fly by. The liturgical seasons move so quickly. So being able to almost in a possessive way, as someone who's been chosen by the, by the Christ, in a possessive way to take that time and say, I want to bring my chaos into that place. I want to bring whatever my experiences are into that place. Because if we can really focus on the presence of Jesus and his humility, his docility, his, his gentleness, the chaos seems to, to make more sense because it loses some steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's something greater that's happening, um, but it, it it's a hard thing to, to practically do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I love John Paul II's thought, right, to, to sort of stir up this interior feeling. But for, for those listening, what, how do we do that? What does that look like for somebody who's got a million things in their family and their presence and cheesy yeah. potatoes? Please God, right? What's the thing? How, how do they do? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, like I, because I was saying, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something magical that happens. 
right? Or it can't be something that like we force. Um, but I do think that the best, at least for me, what helps me is just to read the scriptures themselves and these um, these stories. Like I, I find, um, like I really love the readings from Isaiah that we get during Advent, and I really enjoy like the dynamic of John the Baptist, um, kind of like the, like he's just a, I kind of like Herod. I'm like, he's an interesting guy. John the Baptist. <laughs> he is. He's the the, the locus eating really gets me. Right, it does. Um, and yeah, John the Baptist. Um, and, I, and I also really like the Annunciation and the Visitation stories. Um, and so for me, like that, that's a, that's a way that helps me to enter into the reality of this is just actually taking the time to read those, those scriptural passages. And for me, and I maybe mentioned this in the last podcast, I just try to only pray the joyful mysteries of the rosary. So I don't, I'll, I'll only pray the joyful mysteries throughout Advent. And that just sort of like kind of helps to reinforce those stories for me in my head of like, that's what's constantly I'm thinking and meditating about. And with those sort of stories that we we associate with, with this season and the Christmas season, uh, I think it's important for us to just remind ourselves that these are human beings we're talking about. Because sometimes they can become like characters, you know, because oh, these are these are just stories. Mm-hmm. They're not like an oral tradition of our family. Yeah. When really they are. They're, they're, Mary's a human being and, and Jesus a, a child and Joseph a father and, and John the Baptist, right? He's a person who's doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And to realize that their experience of Christmas is unique and special and beautiful because they in a really tangible way experience the coming of Christ and, mm-hmm. and that's privileged and, and praise God for that. Um, but I, I don't think the Lord is desiring for us to have a removed or um, circumstantial sort of association with Christmas. He wants us to be right in the midst of it. Yeah. And so... Um, with with reading those stories, I'm sometimes like an imaginative prayer kind of guy. Like, don't be afraid to in your prayer place yourself there. What's the emotion of being in the stable? What's the emotion of being on that long journey? What's the feeling of, of those wise men who are coming when they realize something's happening? The world is about to change. Yeah. Um, and, and and maybe to make that leap that if you feel like your life's at a standstill or you feel like things aren't changing or there's no hope or or there is no change on Christmas, it's just another day, to realize that he's not stopped working. Mm-hmm. He's doing something. Yeah. And is there a place in your heart where you're doubting that or where you're longing for him to move? And then just to, to again, go to that place um, with a confidence that, he showed up in that stable, and and he's showing up here, and and nothing's gonna stop him. Uh, if I could pick up too on what you were saying earlier about um, we can't look at the stable without looking at the cross. I was reading John Paul II a little bit at work today, preparing for a different show, um, and. He talks a lot about two, and I forget if it was in which encyclical it was in, so I'm not going to even reference it. Um, but he talked about basically like the incarnation is a reminder of our final destination and our final journey. So like in those moments of 
like prayer for us, it might also be a good thing to like just reflect on that. Like, what do I think of heaven? Mm. Is it something that's interesting to me? Is it something that I am like afraid of or not afraid of? And are there certain things in my life that I'm attached to that I shouldn't be? I can think of a few that I that I'm attached to right away that like are definitely keeping me from from heaven but like incarnation it's yeah it it's also yeah it, it shakes us to think about where we're finally going yeah and that's a that's a sensitive reality like i think sometimes like especially as somebody who's been a catholic their whole life it's easy to just take a lot of this for granted because it's all just assumed they've heard it a million times and i celebrate this season every year and it's very repetitive but again to kind of slow our roll and say no like we were really broken. Yeah. Humanity was really fallen. And we still experience the effects of that. And we still have an inclination to sin. And I still do things that I know I shouldn't, just like St. Paul talks about. And yet, at no point did the Father stop pursuing. And then on Christmas, really gave us that tangible sign that you've been chosen and I'm willing to give everything for you. Mm. Um, and then to, to, to tie back into the fact that because he became man, now we have an opportunity to be with the Father forever in heaven. Mm. That's it's a hopeful little message. It's, it's a it's a good little religion we got. Yeah, I'm pro. I'm pro. Yeah. So I guess you know before we get into the kind of the, the more secular talk about these movies, just to to just kind of put a put a bow on it, so to speak. You know, <laughs> to, to realize that. Uh, Jesus really does want to celebrate with you. I have um, Monsignor Rolfs was my spiritual director in, in major seminary, and he would always give the same homily right before Christmas. And he's just, you know, a gruff, seasoned Monsignor. Got a lot of respect for him. And he would just say, um, everyone in the world gets a present on Jesus' birthday except Jesus. What are you going to give Jesus for his birthday? And so I, I offer that because it's been really fruitful for my own prayer over the last seven years, eight years. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at those few days or a whole season, frankly, as, as Catholics celebrating Christmas, what are you going to give the Lord? Maybe it's something you're attached to, like you mentioned. Maybe it's um, an extra time in prayer, stopping at an adoration chapel in your area. Maybe it's setting aside time with your family to pray through that gospel Separate from, from going to Mass, to be able to set aside a particular time and say, I'm going to gather with my whole family to enter into this mission. Whatever it might be, ask the question, what sort of gift can we give Jesus? Because obviously what we've been talking about, it, he's, he's a pretty good gift that the Father gave us. Mm -hmm. And it's real, and it's beautiful, and it's tangible. So what can we do in response? Amen. Amen. So. How do we want to do this? Do we want to... We want to obviously start from... 10 and, and, and move on? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we have duplicates, we have duplicates. So. All right. So your number 10. Uh, these are our top 10 favorite Christmas movies. I will say in advance, I'm more confident in my top five than I am with my in my bottom five, but... I will, right. I will say in the onset, I'm 100% confident all the time in all of my opinions. <laughs> uh, my number 10, my top 10 movie. Okay. Scrooged. 
I love the story of the Christmas Carol. I love a lot of iterations of it. Mm-hmm. But Bill Murray has to it has to crack in the top ten. Yeah, he has to. He's amazing. He's hysterical. Um, one of the greatest actors of, of our modern day. I put Scrooge on my list, and I probably I probably should have put a different one that you have, but I won't step on it. Um, and I, I've seen Scrooge a couple times, and I I mean we're both big Bill Murray fans. It's not. So is it in your top ten? It is Scrooge. Yeah, it is. I, I have it as my number ten too. Oh, we tied. We, we tied. Yeah. yeah, wisdom. Cool. Um, it's a retelling of the Christmas story, obviously, or, or Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. Christmas yeah. Carol. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you're number nine. Uh, this is gonna be a hot take. I would say nobody's gonna agree with me, but Ernest Saves Christmas is my number nine. I have never seen it. It's it's a special little uh, film. Um, it, it's it gives me the the, the Santa Claus of that movie gives me the same vibes as like a Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. He's mm. just very warm, um, and and obviously if you've never seen an Ernest movie, it's slapstick Jim Varney. Uh, just a really talented actor. It's uh, it's cotton candy. Right. It's just cotton candy. But it's nostalgia at the same time. Exactly. Your number nine? My number nine is a movie, a uh, 2001 movie, I think, called The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Never heard of it. Taylor Leone. It's a reverse It's a Wonderful Life. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> he died and he never came back to life. <laughs> no, in, in this one, like Nicolas Cage is living the lifestyle that... George Bailey wanted to live like the high like he's like a single guy Wall Street making a lot of money and then the then he wakes up one day or something like that and ends up with like a family with like four kids and he's like a tire salesman so it's it's, it's a wonderful life in reverse interesting every time a bell gets silenced an angel's wings get taken <laughs> clipped <laughs> <laughs> so family man it's, it's, a, it's a really good movie well, I'll check it out. Put it on the list. You're number. You're number eight. Number eight. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> this is the Jim Carrey version. Obviously, it's the best one. I, I get it. I like the original cartoon. I did not watch the new cartoon because I don't like new things. I like nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, the reason I love this movie so much is it's so fun to imitate the movements and the voices and the it, Jim Carrey really takes on the character and it's 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 contagious. And as a high school priest, we've had Christmas dress down days all week. Oh. I've seen more Grinch memorabilia, sweaters really? and costumes and onesies and stuffed animals. There's been more Grinch this week, and it's really? it's 2022. This movie came in what uh, what year? 2000. But could people be emulating the Benedict Cumberbatch version? No. Four years ago? No, that's no. Nobody cares about that. Are you a fan of the mo- of the 1960s cartoon? Wahoo! <laughs> obviously, yeah, it's great. But yeah. um, obviously, Jim Carrey takes the cake. There you go. My number eight uh, does not appear on your list, but I'm, I'm guessing it would appear on most people's list. It's Home Alone. I love Home Alone. Home Alone, I've never seen start to finish. Are you serious? I've, I've watched the majority of it a hundred times. I've Home Alone, yeah. It takes place in the Chicago suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what to say about it. I, I don't know I'm why sure. I've never finished it. Everyone's seen Home Alone. I know. Is it really a Christmas movie? There's a debate about that because it's like... It, but it takes place around Christmas. The reason he gets left home alone is because they're going to Christmas. I suppose so. It could have been any vacation. Yeah. Alright, your number seven? Seven. Miracle on 34th Street, the 1947 version. Wow. I've seen a lot of iterations. I've seen uh, the one from, I think, the 80s or whatever. Also good, but... The Mara Wilson one from the 90s? Yeah, 90s. 
Um, but this original one, it's just so pure. Yeah. Uh, the purity of, of the Christmas spirit in that movie, really, really, really good. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. It's worth a rewatch. Um, my number seven is Santa Claus with Tim Allen. I watched this movie a lot growing up. A ton of times. Who's your favorite character? Obviously Tim Allen. Not Bernard or whatever his name Oh, no, the guy from uh, the CBS show. Yeah. <laughs> What's that show? Numbers? Num- numbers, yeah. 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 The guy from Numbers. <laughs> Uh, no, I like the Santa Claus a lot. I liked number two okay when I was a little kid, but number one's really funny. Do you hate number three? I've never seen it. It's stupid. It's really stupid. It I, I don't recommend it. Two, okay. I've been hearing a lot about the series. Have you started that at all? No, I've heard it's good, actually. People are hyping it up. I've, I've not seen it, though. Why don't you check it out? Okay, your number... That's my number six. Your number... My number six is your number two. My number six was Santa Claus. Oh, it is Santa Claus. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Alright, and my number six is your number two, so why don't we save it for... Absolutely. So we can build suspense. Alright, Do you feel that? Do you feel the tension, everybody? Your number five, which is not on my list, but I've seen it many times. Number five, A Christmas Story. And, frankly, I don't even like it. I don't even like <laughs> A Christmas Story, but again... But it's, it's your, to, is in your, in your top five favorite it's, Christmas movies. I feel like it's objective, because it plays all day on TBS, there's a million lines, it's one of the most quotable Christmas movies of all time. Absolutely, I just saw the the new one on HBO Max. Yeah. Love that you too. You like it better than the new one? Probably because I've only seen it once. If I watched it a hundred times, I probably would hate it too. But Christmas Story, the little pink suit, the little the mean Santa. You the, shoot your eye out. Yeah, it's the, just the, the leg, the leg of lamb. The, I feel like you have to you have to like reverence it for the nostalgia. Yeah. That's why it's a solid five. Because I I think it like it, it like it's creating what American Christmas is like feels like. Exactly, the dog, the dogs outside, you know, being a new. I, I don't know. There's just a lot in that movie. My number five is not on your list at all, which I was kind of surprised. Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. Christmas Vacation, like it. I I put it with the rest of the vacation movies. They're good. I just haven't gone back to it. Oh okay. I mean, what's the sell? Obviously, just Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase. It's so funny. It. it I was talking about this with a coworker. It doesn't really hold up at the end of the movie. It, it's kind of like shaggy towards the end, but the first like fifty minutes are like so funny. Yeah, so funny. I gotta go back to it. I've, I've seen it, but it like I haven't gone back like I have for like a Christmas story or right. um, you know the Grinch out too many times. But. Now you're number four. I've never seen before. Are you kidding me? I've never seen it. I think it's it's maybe the first or second movie I saw in theaters. I can't remember if Space Jam was first or second. Oh, interesting. But this is the one that went with it. Jingle All the Way. If this was purely on, like, my enjoyment, if it was just, like, what's the, like, most fun Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way would be number one. <laughs> Sinbad. You got Turbo Man. Arnold. Arnold. Tom Arnold, isn't it? Oh, wow. It's it's really good. Jingle All the Way 2 with Larry the Cable Guy. Not on the list. <laughs> the list. <laughs> didn't make it. Came out like last year, didn't it? I don't know. Nobody saw it. Who knows? Uh, you're kind of also the, in, the, in our friendship, you're the Arnold aficionado. I am. I've seen like three Arnold Again, films because it goes back to nostalgia. Anything kind of nostalgic, 80s, 90s feel, I'm all in. Yeah. You? What's your next one? Okay, my number four is also not on your list. It's Elf. I saw Elf in theaters in 2003 after Thanksgiving. You're not a Will Ferrell guy at all. I mean, I love Elf. I think it is 
I think it, I think the, it's a better, not a great ending, but a, definitely a better ending than Chris's Vacation, and it's so funny. I think yeah. it's hysterical. Yeah. I didn't see it till two years ago, because yeah. again, I'm not a huge Will Ferrell guy. Every single Will Ferrell character is the same. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of stupidity, which, if that's what you're looking for, I'm in. I'll watch Talladega Nights 100 times out of 100 times. Yeah. But that's my one Will Ferrell movie. But the difference between that character, Ricky Bobby, like the Blades of Glory character, Ron Burgundy, is he's stupid. He's a he's a stupid man child. And this one, he's an innocent man child. So there's like a sweetness to it. Yeah. We have Zoe Deschanel's great. His dad is great. His singer. Is, great. is she is that actually her singing? Yeah, it is her singing. It's really good. Yeah, it is her singing. Yeah, so that's another movie I feel like if I would rewatch it more, I could maybe stir up some of those emotions that we were talking about with John Paul II. Yeah. But I just don't have it. I just don't I don't have it. You don't have it. Okay, you're number three. Number three, I I just think it's maybe the perfect Christmas special. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. Everybody knows it. It's Christocentric. Christocentric, yeah. And yet it's still fun. Um, you nice see Geraldi's score. Amazing. You see the Charlie Brown Christmas tree all around during this season. Um, it, it feels familial. It just yeah. feels like family. No arguments from me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. My number three is White Christmas. White Christmas, honorable mention. I love White Christmas. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's very, I rewatched it this year in its entirety. It's very corny. It's a lot cornier than I remember. But the music is great. Music's great. Dancing is incredible. The dancing is great. Um, Bing, can't go wrong with Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. Yeah. It's a solid duo. Solid duo. White Christmas. So White Christmas is great. Yeah. Um, just a real great snapshot of like fun Hollywood movies from the 50s. Right. Which, you don't, you, there's just no movies like that anymore. Even like, so it's like most recent musical, like West Side Story with like great dancing. Right. It doesn't capture the same sort of like lightness. Yeah, it's because it's there's really gang tough. warfare. In that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, your number two and my number six. A Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I love the story of a Christmas Carol. I love the lesson. I, I love the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the Muppets are incredible actors. Yeah. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I mean, did he win an award for this movie? He should have. He should have. He really carried the whole cast. Did you hear about the controversy recently with Muppet Christmas Carol? No. Was it canceled? No, it wasn't canceled. Yeah. Uh, Disney had cut the When Love Was Lost or whatever song. Why? I don't know why they cut it, but it had been cut in all of like, the DVD releases, and they just put it back now. The, on the, the Disney Plus. I, I'm guessing on the Disney Plus. So Interesting. Now you can hear. I don't. Growing up, I hated that song, so I don't really care that it's there. Yeah. I talked to my aunt because we would always watch it every year at her house, uh, and so it was like a tradition for Christmas Eve Eve at my aunt's house. Gotcha. And she loves that movie, and loves that song. And I love the movie. Don't love the song. Yeah. If that song wasn't in it, would it be higher up in your list? Yeah, it probably makes number four. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> My number two is... How many people are still listening? Hopefully my mom, probably. Two? Yeah. My number two is... I love this movie, Die Hard. And yeah. everyone... And, and I'm kind of... I mean, it's kind of a joke it's thing now cheek, that it's a yeah. Christmas, story, Christmas movie. But it takes place at a Christmas party. Every... And he saves Christmas. He, he saves Christmas. it. I, that's the thing. He saves Christmas. You have to save Christmas. And get shot. <laughs> uh... 
Every year at the seminary, we would make Christmas cards, maybe make funny photos, and then sign Christmas cards for friends and priests uh-huh. and stuff. And every single year, when we'd get together to all sign the Christmas cards, we'd watch Die Hard. So I have the same sort of nostalgic Christmas feelings towards that that you do the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Yippee yeah, what's your number one? My number one is also your number one. It's Wonderful Life. Which is obvious. It's ultimately... The, frankly, it's not in my top ten movies of all time, but it probably should be. Right. It should be higher. It's going to be a great movie, Christmas or not Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Also, another movie that doesn't really take place around Christmas until the very end. Right. Yeah, and yet it becomes like the iconic Christmas movie. Yeah. You, you, you want the moon? Wrap, throw throw, 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 throw a lasso around it, pull it down. Also a movie that's like like A Christmas Story and Elf, extremely quotable. Extremely quotable. Hot dog! Hot dog. <laughs> I just want a million dollars. <laughs> She's in the library. It's a great movie. Uh, here's here's the number one question: color version or white and black? Oh, black and white version. Yeah, it's way better. The color version sucks. <laughs> it's the same exact movie though. Yeah. But I'm with you. Black yeah, and white all the horrible. way. Black and white all the way. Well, I guess our recommendation would be maybe watch a movie that you have a Christmas movie that you haven't seen. This the Christmas Family Man. Time. We know that no one's seen that movie, right? Right. Watch the Family Man. No. Maybe, maybe I'll watch Jingle All the Way because I've never seen Jingle All the Way. We should. We should watch it together. We'll watch it on Saturday, maybe. Yeah, we uh, But yeah, watch your movies if you haven't. Enjoy this season. Soak up this time. If you're not feeling lightness, if you're not feeling the joy of the freedom, ask the baby Jesus. How about that? Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.